let's start the show this way, guys. If you heard that somebody's name was Connor Stallions and you didn't know any other context, what would you think they did for a living? Or what would you Mail think about star. them? Okay. I yeah, stepped on the star. joke. But number yes. one. Number one is Easy. definitely male porn star. Number yeah. two, Num- number other two thoughts? is racist country music singer. Oh, yeah, that's good that's too. Up there. Yeah, my thoughts were either male porn Canadian, star. Canadian, maybe too, with a Connor. <laughs> Canadian okay. male porn star. I thought um, per- perhaps Canadian like. Canadian country music star. Oh, country. Yeah, like a non American yeah. country music star, which are my favorite types of. It's so funny Connor when Stallions you hear. Is, yeah, it's Canadian country. It, this is aside like, from football, but when, when you hear country, a country song and they're all like my truck and my girl, and then they pause and, you know, they talk and then it's a guy with an Australian accent or Canada. It's so funny to me. I don't know why, but it's so hilarious when there's like a guy from New Zealand singing country music. David Cross talks about that on his uh, stand up from the 90s. We used to love where he's like, of course he you does. think. You think that the uh, hick Southern accent is only in the South, but you're wrong. He's like, well, fuck you, man. I'm from Bakersfield, California. This is how we do it over here. Oh, yeah? Well, fuck all y'all because I'm from Bozeman, Montana. Oh, yeah? Speaking well, of Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's like, it's, oh, yeah. it's not, it's all over the world. It doesn't, it's, it's spread like worse than COVID. It's everywhere. One more aside before we get into football. Speaking of Bakersfield, California, Dan, you may know where this is going. A new new clothing line has just dropped. It's the corn (laughs) purple Adidas tracksuit. $300, Dan. Will you be purchasing this item? Yes, and it's for you. So send me your (laughs) size and address. And this is what this is what you need more than anything else. This, it's tricky because I'm a medium to large depending on the sizing. So if you just go large, then I'll look more 90s. It's a large for the 90s. That's correct. Nothing tight for the Adidas uh, corn mashup. All right. I, this is Halloween 2024 is planned. I'm going as Jonathan Davis. Now, 2024, Jonathan Davis. I'm just going to. Every year. For, actually, for, for this the would next be. 10 years straight. I, I'm going to have to edit all this out, but this would be awesome <laughs> if I went to a Halloween party in the tracksuit and anytime someone tried to have a conversation with me, they're like, oh, hey, Tom, how's work going? I just respond to everyone with like a. Ooh, Go! Yeah. Okay. This Lock it in. This is my 2024 Halloween plan. All right. Connor Stallions. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Guys, we got to talk about a lot of football. Today is, this is a Monday. We're recording a little earlier in the week. We're too excited to wait till the end of the week because this is the week we've been waiting for the entire 2023 season. The spectrum of college football, the beautiful spectrum of college football is represented this week. We have the best game, the highest scoring game potentially of the season in UW versus USC. We also have the other end of the spectrum, Northwestern hosting Iowa, a Brian Ferentz, uh, less, not less, because he's still there, but uh, Brian Ferentz just announcing he's resigning, pulling a Joe Paterno and saying like, I will quit at the end of the year to get out of being fired right now. So that game also happening in every level in between. So there's a lot to talk about. Dan, 
reflections from last week? We took a bye week from the podcast last week, but what did we miss? Uh, Oklahoma choked. Um, it's a classic sandwich spot for a Big 12 team. Well, first of all, this is the year of the uh, look ahead and let down like I've never seen. Every single team in the entire country – I think has either totally mailed in a game before a big week or right after. And it's an epidemic. It's literally everywhere. Um, so, you know, Oklahoma wins against UCF after uh, stopping them on a two point conversion next week. They got Oklahoma state who's actually super hot right now and playing great. And of course they go, well, you know, we're just going to Kansas. It's Kansas. And, you know, they got to play their backup quarterback and they, can't stop them at all and lose. Um, we also learned that Syracuse is really bad, like worst 15 teams in the country bad. Virginia Tech looked like 2001 Miami against them uh, during the week. It was bad. Um, and uh, Oregon looks phenomenal. And, um, you know, they might be a top four team in the country. Um, we'll see how it plays out in the Pac-12, but I mean, they got a great offense, great defense. Uh, they got awesome line play. I mean, it, you know, I would make Oregon a favorite over Ohio State. I'd make them a favorite over Florida State. And as much as it kills me to say on a neutral field that they're, they're for sure a favorite over Washington, given how Washington's played the last two weeks. So I don't know. There's a lot to uh, unpack here in the last month, but we're going to figure some stuff out. Like we got a, a crazy amount of football between now and uh, December 1st. So strap in. It's going to be a wild ride. Ryan, what do you think? We've got about six teams left that are undefeated and looking like the playoff contenders. Obviously there are plenty of others who are still in it. So what are you looking forward to? Or what did you learn from last week, Ryan? I didn't really learn much. There wasn't much really going on last week. Um, but the next couple of weeks are going to be really, really fun. The next, the next like three to four weeks of college football are going to be so good. And I'm interested to see kind of who knocks each other off and, and kind of how many undefeated teams we're really going to have because Right now, there's probably going to be two or three, and I just don't know if there's going to be more than that. So it'll be interesting if there's four or five undefeated teams. If there's more than four, we'll see what happens. But uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's going to be really – I mean, four looks like the max, and even that looks a little bit shaky right now with the way a few of the teams have been playing. But you never know, and there's tough competition. So – I say we get into this week's lines and we'll talk about a lot of stuff as we go through these games. Dan, lead us through. Okay. Um, first of all, welcome back, Mac. It's the return of the Mac, so to speak. And I know nothing about the conference this year. Uh, I plan on doing a whole Mac uh, breakdown today, but I lost track of time. I wanted to do a surprise 10-minute Mac preview. I can so, fill you in if you like. It's one of the worst years in, of the Mac in a long time, and Ryan did an all-Mac tarmac report of the worst coaches a few weeks ago. So okay. it's just it's What I want to do real quick is just go around the horn and everyone pick their Mac championship winner. No explanation needed. Pick the winner of the conference. Ryan, go ahead. Toledo. Okay. Z. 
That was also mine, Toledo. That's lame. You guys have the same one. Fine. I'm going to go with Central Michigan for because the CTE gang, because uh, he, he's got it. Okay, that's all I want to say about the MAC. Let's move on to some real football here. Uh, Thursday night, TCU at Texas Tech. TCU, or sorry, Texas Tech, minus three at home. Total 58. Both teams have put up a lot of points in games, and both teams have struggled in a lot of games as well. This is a really weird one. Texas Tech, minus three. Total 58 and a half. Ryan, what you got on this one? Dan, you you nailed it. This is a super weird game. I've been really high on Texas Tech this year. I was down on TCU, then I was up on TCU, then after, as soon as I get up on TCU and the freshman quarterback, they go back to looking like shit again. I really don't know what to do in this game. I mean, we said TCU overs, but now that doesn't look like it might not be the thing. I'm going to go ahead and just take the home team. Just take Texas Tech. I think they are the better team. So that's my pick. Z, anything on this one? Yeah, we talk a lot about and brag a lot about the picks we get right and the predictions we get right. So I do want to admit when we really screw one up. A couple weeks ago, we talked about TCU getting hot and looking good with the freshman quarterback. And what did they do last week when we're taking a bye week? They lose 41 to 3 to Kansas State, a, you know, a good Kansas State team, but come on. So we really uh, screwed that one up big time, and I'm not betting TCU again. So fade them. This year is going to be a, a weird year for TCU, and I hope they get it on track again next year because they're a fun team to watch. I like their coaching. I like everything about them, but not this year. Texas Tech, lay it. Okay, let's move on to Friday night. Close your eyes on this one. BC at Syracuse. Syracuse, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Total 51. Go ahead, Tom. Tell us why this is incorrect. All right, first off, in a game with Iowa, in a week with Iowa Northwestern, this is somehow the worst game of the week. This is worse than (laughs) Iowa Northwestern. These are the two, two of the five worst teams in college football right now. And somehow they're matched up and you just cannot watch this. Watching this is like one of the games they play in the Saw movies, you know, since it's Halloween week. (laughs) I mean, this is, it's horrible and you can't bet Q's because they've been horrible. Um, I would like to hear Ryan's thoughts on these two teams and more, especially the two leaders of these teams, Ryan. Well, Tom, I can't believe you you nailed that one. You set me up perfectly because it's time for the tarmac. Early on, we're getting right into it. However, Tom, one thing you got wrong. We are not going after the leaders of these teams. We are doing a special edition, a Brian Ferentz tarmac assistant coaches edition in honor of Brian Ferentz. He cannot be on the list because he has already announced that he's being fired at the end of the year. But in honor of that, we have to announce the five worst uh, coordinators in college football. Here we go, boys. Strap in. At number five, we have Rob Sale. That's right, Rob Sale, offensive coordinator, University of Florida. You are the University of Florida. 
you gave their quarterback number 15 and you run the one of the worst, maybe the most boring offense in the entire SEC. You have five stars everywhere you look on that roster. And that is an awful, hideous offense to watch. Rob Sale, Florida. Number four, this is the game. Syracuse offensive coordinator, Jason Beck. It's just bad. I mean, you started as the quarterback's coach, got the promotion. You've been around long enough to know like how to run something with this team. And we've seen this team score points. We've seen it in the past. So we know it's actually possible and they are just running the worst offense ever right now. Maybe the worst offense in college football right now. It's pretty bad to watch. All right, number three, we're going down to the state of Texas. Speaking of loaded with five stars, Jeff Grimes, Baylor University. You have Dave Aranda, a great defensive coach. You have talent everywhere. You have Texas, and you cannot put together even a semblance of a competent offense at Baylor. And this has been multiple years. You just cannot get any offense going there, and you have so much speed, and they just do not lean into it. Just piss poor job. Piss poor. All right, let's get off the offensive coaches. Let's go after some defense here. Number two, a favorite of take the points, Mr. Chiggins himself, Gene Chizik, North Carolina. Dan's just shaking his head. Tom's shaking his head. Neither of them can even speak. They're both just shaking their heads. Can I interject? It's great. I didn't even think he'd be on the list because I just take it so thoroughly for granted that he's awful that I don't even consider him when we're talking about bad coaches. It's like a a dog driving a car and gets in an accident. Like he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Well, he's cost Drake May a Heisman because they're not going to go undefeated and they're going into overtime with teams like Appalachian State because his defense can't make a single stop. And it's pathetic. And Chiggins does not, he didn't deserve a job a decade ago and it's still the case. And at number one, there is no other option. Everyone knows this answer. And this is Mr. Grinch himself, Alex Grinch, USC offensive or defensive coordinator, the worst assistant coach in the last five years of college football, at least. It is so pathetic how Badly, he has screwed USC this season, ruined any opportunity for them to win a national championship, and they have the offense to do it. Alex Grinch, you are the worst coach in college football, but congratulations to you because whatever hooker and blow party you went to with Lincoln Riley back in Norman clearly paid off because those pictures on your cell phone are keeping you employed. I hope you enjoy Southern California. You suck. 
they got up to some uh, explicit activity at a Connor Stallions country concert back in uh, 2012. That's right. I have Lincoln a, got into an in- incident. I have a lot to film. say, a lot to say about this. I'm, I, I'm struggling where to even begin. We'll start on a lighthearted note. I was trying to think of a Jason Beck joke. Like, I hope he's got his two turntables and a microphone because his next job will be DJing at zoo station. <laughs> I'll workshop that one. Um, I, I was going to make really a joke good. about, I was going to make that. a a joke about the the dumbest Beck is the one that's not the one that follows Scientology, but actually <laughs> the one that runs the offense at Syracuse. More questionable, more questionable system, Scientology or Syracuse's offensive framework. I like it, Tom. That's a poll question. All right, get it on well, the website. There's a lot. There's all right. We'll work on this. There's a lot of Beck related material we can use for the rest of the season. I am slightly disappointed as a Penn State fan that Mike Yurkich is not on this list. He has been atrocious this season. He was close, Tom. He was really, I was. Again, I can't pick out any one of the five that I would kick off the list to put him on. But man, for a team that had playoff aspirations, he's been just awful. Wasting, you know, a five-star talent like Drew Aller. It's bad. The only reason I honestly didn't have him on the list is because I think Franklin is such a ridiculous control freak that I actually think he would, he does control the offense and tells him what he can and can't run. Joe Moorhead had freedom for some reason, and none of the guys since then have. So who knows? You may be right. We don't know what's going on in Penn State. None of us really know. I've never seen a, a number nine ranked team. Yeah, I sorry. I shouldn't make jokes about we don't know what's going on when related to Penn State football. All right. Grinch, though. I mean, USC, this is just like the worst. I've never seen a, a defense just tank a team's aspirations this way. Dan? Alex Grinch, I need to, I need 30 seconds here. <clears throat> okay, I just want to do a little history rewind. So just to, just to kind of refresh how terrible this has been let's go back to oklahoma first of all 2019 is his first year taking over at oklahoma gives up 48 to kansas state in a loss 41 to iowa state and if you remember they played in the peach bowl the college football semifinal that year against lsu how did that go well, i don't know burrow threw for 493 and seven touchdowns okay that's your first year let's just Let's just start with that. Justin Jefferson had 14 for 227 and four and didn't play the last 25 minutes. I mean, um, I mean LSU is the best team ever. So, you know, we can excuse that one, but let's yeah. move on to the next year. Let's move on to 2020 when Iowa State drops 41 on them in a victory and Kansas State scores another 45. So two years combined, Kansas State and Iowa State scored 190 on Oklahoma with all the talent that they have. Still gets to keep his job. Then he goes to USC and he plays that powerhouse Utah offense and gives up 43, 45, and 38 over three years and loses all three. And he's still employed. And last week, just for the icing on the cake, he gives up 49 to Cal, who went for two with 50 seconds to go and didn't get it, or else they would have lost 51 to 50 to a Cal team that literally is terrible. 
and they scored 10 points against Auburn. And they were losing to Washington 42-10 at half. Um, he's the worst coach in the entire country. Thank you for doing this, Ryan. I hate that guy, and it's an embarrassment he's still around. And he for sure has photos and evidence and all kinds of stuff, 100%. Let me get back to congratulating ourselves because while others were considering USC a championship team last year and this year, it was the three of us who were like, you cannot win a playoff game with that defense. You can't. It doesn't matter how good Caleb Williams is. And of course we were right. And now the rumors will begin about Caleb sitting out the rest of the year. We'll see what Please. happens. If, if uh, Washington beats him this week, he will. Um, but we'll see. All right, let's move on to some lines. We got a lot to dive into here. All killer, no filler. Uh, early slate Saturday morning, Kansas State at Texas. Texas minus four, total 51. While watching the Utah-Oregon game last week, they gave a quick preview this week, and they said, Kansas State, arguably the hottest team in the country, travels to Austin to take on Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. I believe you're 6-2 and two and lost last month to Oklahoma State, so probably thinking Georgia is the hottest team in the country, you asshole. But, you know, I digress. Uh, Texas looked a little sloppy last week with uh, Murphy at quarterback, to be expected. I don't know if Quinn will be back this week. I, I don't think so. Um, Kansas State's the same Kansas State team since, what, 1995 or so. They're the exact same team. They have some, like, white middle linebacker who's really good in college but, like, will never play in the pros. They got a physical quarterback who can run but, like, do a couple play-action passes. They like to snap the ball at one second on the play clock, like the shorten games. Look, the total is 51. I, I, I'm, I'll start this one. I, I'm actually going to lean in under in this one. Early start time, clock running, Murphy, Kansas State, new college rules. I know 51 seems low for a Big 12 team. And both these teams have put up a lot of points and spots this year, but I feel like this is like a – 13-7 at half type game and it ends like 26-20 or something in that realm. So give me under 51. I'm not comfortable laying four with Texas in this spot because I think they know they just need to win. Um, Sark's already on that bandwagon this week saying that, you know, we have the most impressive win of anyone in the country this year. So just, you know, think about that. Um and according to ESPN's little playoff predictor, if Texas wins out and they win the Big 12 total game, they have like a 70% chance of making the playoff, even with one loss, which is pretty weird. But anyway, under for me, that's what I got. Ryan, go ahead. You nailed it. It's the under. That's the only play in this game is the under. It's going to be a super fast game, 11 a.m. start time local. Just play the under. I'm with both of See. you guys, and I'll take – Kansas State as the side. I think it's a three-point game. All right, sounds good. Let's go to the SEC. Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, 11th rank, one loss, minus three, total 53 and a half. Some pretty good disrespect here to Ole Miss. Can't wait till the first BCS poll comes out and Texas A&M at five and three is going to be ranked ahead of James Madison. Mark that down. Um, but anyway, Ryan, go ahead. We're gonna stay on the lane train here, folks. This is the way to. This is this it. I'm I'm all over Ole Miss this year. 
they looked really good last week, actually. Um, running the ball a, a much better. That's just the two-headed monster is just it's so fast and they're so good when they get the ball running. When they can play fast and they can run the ball with both those guys and darts kind of mixing in some runs too. They're just a completely different team. They're like the Buffalo Bills. When their quarterback is running the ball effectively, they are a completely different offense. It just adds a dimension that that just is missing a lot of the time. So I don't know if there's a lot of college props out there, but if you can get some Jackson Dart rushing props, that's a nice prop. That's a nice play for me. I think they're going to let him run the ball a bit, and I like Ole Miss. See, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the beginning of the season, you picked Ole Miss as a sleeper playoff team, and it it sounds wild, but I think they still have an outside shot at this. We'll talk about Alabama LSU later. They would obviously need some help, and I don't think it's the strongest bet, but it's totally not off the board that they would be able to make that SEC championship game as the representative from the West. And I think they match up decent against Georgia compared to a lot of other teams in the SEC. So I wouldn't completely rule that out yet. And I think, you know, they probably know that and it starts this week. They got to keep winning games. And I'm telling you, if it's, if it's, Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU, all with one loss to each other. We'll see how the tiebreak goes. That's a good point. Okay, let's move on. Another early start. Notre Dame travels to Clemson, to 4-4 four and four Clemson, with Cade Klubnick, a quarterback who officially is awful. Notre Dame minus three, total 45. You really going to lay points with Notre Dame? You're going to have Clemson be a home dog? This is un. Fucking believable. Total 45. Tom, go ahead. Ryan, do you think it was a mistake for Clemson to ditch DJ Uyunglele and go with Cade Klubnik? No, it was the right move at the time for what they needed. DJ just does not belong on the East Coast. He had to, they had to let him go and, and mentally he just couldn't handle it. The, the Southern fans just wrecked his psyche. He needed to go up with a bunch of stoners in the Pacific Northwest. It's way better for him. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I totally agree. It's easy right now on paper to say they made a mistake, but I think it was the right move at the time. I think it was good for DJ and it reinvigorated his career. I don't think he'd be doing that well if he stayed at Clemson. I think Clemson obviously has tons of other problems, Cade has struggled mightily, but I don't think just keeping DJ would have fixed any of that. So I think it was, I think it was a good move for both of them. Hasn't really worked out for Clemson, but man, that, that dynasty might be over. It's crashing down and I don't even know what to say except lay it with Notre Dame. Under. That's what I think. Clemson can't score and their defense is okay. This is going to be Ohio state Notre Dame part two. Uh, Freeman's going to, Play for a close game. This feels like 16-10, is my number. Yep. No, no one's scoring in the 30s. So just go ahead and cross that off. Okay. And then figure one team in the 20s, maybe, and one in the teens, and that's not going over. So I, I know it seems low. It's 45, but it, it's an under. Okay. Let's move on here. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, here we go. 
Jacksonville State at South Carolina. South Carolina minus 15 and a half, total 55. Gentlemen, this is the your opinion is wrong game of the week. And I would like to hear first from you, Tom, who you like between Jacksonville State at South Carolina. South Carolina minus 15 and a half points, total 55. Go right ahead. Well, I haven't watched much of either, but all I know is that Spencer Rattler has the pedigree, even if he hasn't shown it on the field all the time. So you just have to go with, you know, the higher level big boys in the SEC over the, you know, lower level competition and the quarterback who was once heralded. To me, this is a pretty easy pick. South Carolina wins huge and goes over. South Carolina in the overtime. Well, you might want to uh, find yourself a second job because you'll be losing money with those picks. First of all, South Carolina's two and six. They have two wins this year. One is over Furman, Mark Furman, and their other win is against Mississippi State, who is the worst team outside of Vanderbilt in the SEC. And you like it over. Have you seen the South Carolina offensive line? Ryan could line up a D line and, and, and average two and a half sacks a game against this offensive line. No chance. Jacksonville State, sneaky first year in the new Conference USA or wherever the hell conference it is. Is it Conference USA? Yes, it is. First year promoted. They're hungry. They're playing tough defense. I'm a degenerate gambler and been watching them during the week. Big fan of them. So, unfortunately, under and South Carolina or uh, Jacksonville State. Those are the winners. Now, Ryan, who do you like in Jacksonville State and South Carolina? Spread 15 and a half, total 55. Well, I cannot in good conscience have a Zach Mills Award finalist be favored by over two touchdowns in a game. So I'm going to start with that. So for that reason, I'm taking Jacksonville State. They are seven and two. They have the better record, the superior record. And then I love the under in this game. South Carolina Rattler is always is always a crapshoot. He could throw for three hundred and four. He could throw for one thirty and four picks. You don't know. But here's what I do know. I know that Jacksonville State runs the ball a lot. They love to run the ball. So we're going to go ahead and take an under. That's the play. Ryan, I appreciate your passion and your explanation, but unfortunately you forgot one key factor here. Rich Rodriguez and the 3-3-5 defense. He's bringing his Division II flunkies to an SEC school, and he's going to run the 3-3-5. It's just not going to work. This is a blowout for South Carolina, and they might score 100 by themselves. So I'm sorry. We have evidence of the 335 being a force no one can overcome. Uh, it's just it, it it's just inevitable. So tough luck on those two picks. Ladies and gentlemen, your opinion is wrong. America's favorite, <laughs> hottest new segment. Very good, Dan. Rich Rod. I forgot about Rich Rod playing – he looked at the prevent defense and he's like, what if we played this all game? That's right. 
So, I mean, th- this is really pretty hilarious, right? It's Rich Rod playing against the, like, the Spencer Rattler, Zach Mills award winner. You didn't think this is a sneaky under-the-radar game at 9 a.m. on ESPNU. This is, oh, total God. If, there, if Doris Burke wasn't off doing only NBA, she would be on this game 100%. Let's, let's hang on this game a little while because I got something I want to say. Spencer Rattler, of course was uh, highly touted at Oklahoma. Things didn't go well. He transferred to South Carolina and was not playing very well at all. And he made, he was a front runner for a Zach Mills award, which is a quarterback who starts out hot and then gets progressively worse every year. He seemed like he had it locked up and coming back this year. We're like, this guy's going to win a Zach Mills award. And then he had two amazing games knocking off Clemson and Tennessee who are both in the top 10 in back-to-back weeks, the giant killer, Spencer Rattler. And we were like, well, he's not amazing, but we got We have to take him off the Zach Mills watch list because he's good. Now, you know, he defied the odds. Now, what do we find out in the midst of all this Michigan scandal? It's been rumored that, um, Connor stallions actually gave signs that Michigan stole to, another team that was not a Michigan, you know, out of conference, not a Michigan opponent. And everyone was like, well, who, who'd they do it against? It must've been someone who played Ohio state, right? Well, we don't know the answer for sure, but it turns out that Michigan's coaching staff and Connor stallions are friends with the DB coach of South Carolina and good buddies. And they just happened to, allegedly share signals with somebody and South Carolina went from being a mediocre team to beating two of the best teams in back-to-back weeks and then going back to mediocrity or worse. So as a conspiracy theory, are we all in agreement that South Carolina is the team that got signs from Michigan and that that's why they beat Tennessee and Clemson last year? hundred percent. All right. hundred percent. Allegedly for legal purposes, Allegedly, a hundred percent. All right, moving on. Okay, let's continue on here. Let's move through the slate, weave through some of the garbage. Let's move on to the twelve thirty slate. Missouri at Georgia. Georgia minus sixteen, total fifty five and a half. Georgia might be really good again. Shocker. Um, they're a machine. They hammered Kentucky last week. They look like, or Florida, Florida, same thing. Florida. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of people like Florida in the points, by the way. And I almost wagered on them and I didn't, which I'm very happy I did not. I don't know. I still haven't watched Georgia play. It's now November and I still haven't watched them. Brian, is 16 too much delay against Missouri? No. <laughs> Georgia is. Georgia again. They've figured some things out. They got Lad McConkey back and healthy last week. He had a nice long touchdown. He makes a big difference with Bowers out. So the Bowers thing is a is a tough one, but this is Missouri and this is at home. If this was 16 points in Missouri, I would be so terrified. But in Georgia between the hedges, this is an easy play. Play it. I I love this pick. I love it. One of my favorite bets of the week, if not my favorite. 
Missouri, they've had a nice season. They've been playing great, but they're not at this level. And Georgia has really got it together. And as you said, they look like the best team in the country yet again. So they're physical. They dominated Florida. They just kind of manhandled them and wore them down and ran all over them. And that game was never even competitive. It's going to get ugly. I think it's going to be about 47 to 13. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of Missouri. Never liked them. So uh, I I I'm thinking about actually wagering it over in this game. I think it might be a lot of points. Uh, all right, let's move on. Florida State at Pitt. Okay, let me sit up in my chair for this one. Florida State minus twenty one and a half total fifty one. Pitt went to Notre Dame, who has been known to give Notre Dame problems in the past, and they got destroyed. They got destroyed badly. Nardog threw the players under the bus post game. Social media attacked him. He issued an apology that it starts with him. He didn't mean that. Some pit players went on social media and called out the coach. It's it, it's basically a big mess at this point. Um, that being said, this is Florida State. And they're traveling up north to Pittsburgh in November to play a football game. Outside, next week, they play Miami. Classic look-ahead spot. Is there a chance that Nardog rallies and covers the 21-and-a-half and makes Florida State sweat it out a little bit? Tom? It's definitely possible, but given what happened last week, Nardog has gone too much. Like, he's gone full Nardog. He's done too much Nardogging, and he's made them impossible to bet on. So I think you have to stay away from Pitt, but I think any possible outcome is possible. Brian. As the number one Nard dog supporter, <laughs> unfortunately, I think they're going to get waxed. I just think Florida state is on a mission and they are just absolutely putting it on teams when they can. Keon Coleman's going to have an absolute field day on this pit defense. Fair arguments, gentlemen. I'm going to disagree. I love pitting the points this week. This is the year of the look ahead, and I just can't get over the fact that Florida State, all it stands between them in a playoff is Miami and Florida. And those are the two games circled. Those are the in-state games. There's going to be a high school football game in Pittsburgh on Friday night. The field's going to be terrible. It's going to be windy. There's going to be a, a weird interception or tip ball. Give me the 21 and a half. I feel like Pitt's either going to win or lose by under 10, or they're going to lose by 50. And I, I don't think it's going to be like, oh, I hope this, this 21 holds on. But um, this is just a strictly against Florida State carrying in the spot play. And uh, – I'm happy to go down with the ship. So take the points. Looking up a weather report, it's looking decent for Saturday in Pittsburgh. High of 59, low of 41, partly cloudy. Should be okay. Mm-hmm. You'll see. You'll see that high school game. They're going to play seven high school games on that field on Friday <laughs> and not resod it. It's going to be like playing in a mud pit. Um. Anyway. All right. Let's continue on here. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, for the last time, 
Um, probably. Um, this is usually where teams go to different conferences and hate each other and won't play a game against each other anymore. Oklahoma needs to get back on track, laying six points. Oklahoma State's sneaky, six and two, four and one in the Big 12. They win this game, they're going to play in the Big 12 championship game. Ollie Gordon, uh, the Oklahoma State running back, has become a revelation over the past month. He's arguably been the best running back in college football the last month. I don't trust Oklahoma's defense. As much as we had Gundy on the tarmac, this team is routed into form very well. And I think there's a really good shot that they beat Oklahoma outright. And Oklahoma has a hangover. Second road game in a row for them. They're all, you know, upset that they blew their perfect season. Oklahoma State, this is a a great spot for them. And it would be so Mike Gundy just to win this game, and then which means he can't get fired for another four years if he wins the last game against Oklahoma. This game means the world to him. Give me Oklahoma State plus the six. Total 62, probably an over, but I'm just going to take the six. Um, I don't think you can lay six points here with Oklahoma. Tom? I haven't watched too much Oklahoma State. I kind of checked out on them early, and I'm just going to take your word for this one. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to take the over in this one. I think this is a definitely an overplay. I could see this game getting you know, up there, 38-35, uh, that type of game, 45-38 type of game. So I like the over in this one. All right, um, we got a little ACC action here real quick. Uh, Va Tech at Louisville. Louisville minus 9.5, total 48.5. 4-4 Va Tech at 7-1 Louisville. But this is a little weird. We saw Louisville uh, lose to Pitt by double digits. Va Tech has started their new quarterback, and they looked like a changed team, albeit against Syracuse last week. Is 9.5 not enough? Am I actually considering Vatek in the points here? Ryan. I have no feel for this game whatsoever. I I have no feel for Virginia Tech this season. I can't quite figure them out. This is a total stay away for me. Z, any ACC insight? Yeah, really tough game to pick at nine and a half, especially. Louisville, to me, looks like the only somewhat consistent team. I mean, Everyone can lose to Pitt. That almost doesn't even count against you. Nard Dog can do anything. Aside from that, they seem like the only dependable team besides Florida State and the ACC. So I think they win it. But Virginia Tech's just a weird team. And I was reading some uh, Virginia Tech fan posts. And they were like, hey, we have a chance to be in the ACC championship game. Anybody know how we got here? And all the fans were like, nope, no idea. Doesn't make any sense to me. So even the fans are baffled by this one. I'm going to go with about a six-point win for Louisville. I think sounds about right to me. Maybe something like a 34 to 28. I like taking the points. Uh, Give me Vautech plus nine and a half. I don't think Louisville is that good. I think a lot of smoke and mirrors there. Um, Okay. There's a lot of smoke. In this next one, Tom, um, if you want me to leave the room for 15 minutes so you can talk about this one, go right ahead. Iowa at Northwestern, Iowa minus five, total 31. Now, hold on a second. Bullshit. This total opened yesterday at 29 and a half. And 
In Vegas terms, to move a point spread a half point requires $500,000 worth of wagering. That means that $1.5 million has been wagered on the over in this game in the last 24 hours. Vegas is going to build a new restaurant or something with this money because those are losing bets. Tom, tell us why. I was going to ask you to tell me why. Who are these people and what is their intention? What are they seeing that we're not seeing? The only thing I can think of is that they're wagering 500000 or so to move the line up to 31 so they can bet $20 million on the under and get the number uh, that they want. They want under 31 and a half, so 17, 14 is a winner. Anyway, uh, that's what the big dogs do. But they're, Tom, go ahead people, and talk to us about yeah, this Yeah, it's people who live in the past and can't handle the new landscape of college football where a 29-point total is possible. But they just have to get on board and accept that this is the world we live in, and this game is actually going to end about 16 to 3. So really, the total should be about 19. So if you can find an alt line... 22 and a half. I think I would, that would be about the number I'd go down to alt line. So Iowa should win this game. Northwestern sucks. The only problem is guys, are you worried about a uh, post Brian Ferentz kind of improvement? A lot of times when coaches leave or announce they're leaving, the team suddenly springs into action and plays a lot better. What is your percentage of fear that that will happen? Zero. Good. Me too. Anyway, they're the worst. Iowa can't move the ball. Can't do anything. They will score probably 13 points on special teams and defense and turnovers and all that stuff. And again, 19 points is roughly my max for this game. So I just, I don't know what these betters are seeing and we'll talk about this later, but you know, the same betters, well, not the same exact people, but at the same time, betters are moving this line up. They're moving USC Washington down. So everyone's gone insane except for us. Ryan, do you have anything to, to add on this thrilling game? Go right ahead. Yes. If you can find a prop bet for will there be a safety in this game, I love that prop for this game. And that's all I got to say. I think there's a good chance that there will be every type of score except touchdown. I mean, uh, sorry, when I say that, I mean like defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, safety, field goal, no offensive touchdowns. It's going to be a terrible game. I mean, there's just not much to talk about at this point. Um, that's that's where I differ. I'm going to watch every second of this and love it. That, of course. Very true. Um, yeah, so it's, it's not going to be great, but we're going to move on. I got... F- three or four more games I want to talk about, and then you guys can add on whatever you want. Let's go out to the Rose Bowl. No, sorry, whatever. Let's go to the Coliseum. Correction. Washington at USC. Washington minus three and a half. Total 76. Washington has looked not like themselves the past two weeks after they've beat Oregon. The loss of Jalen McMillan has been noticeable. They're also down their three top safeties, which is hurting their secondary and ability to uh, actually do a lot of things on defense. Um, 
That being said, they still have Penix, they have Roman Dunze, Bernards look good, Polk looks amazing, running game's okay. Um, Trice, their linebacker, has been phenomenal. Um, and they just have found a way to overcome some of their past demons. You know, they've had issues with Stanford in the past. They pulled it out. Playing at Arizona has been a, 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 a house of horrors for them. They won that. They eked out a game against Arizona State in a rainy, cold letdown spot. Penix has had pretty much COVID. He's been sick for two weeks and was super sick last week. Last week against Stanford, they had uh, garbage cans lined up on the sidelines so players could throw up into. The whole team had like some crazy monkey virus. Um, just hasn't been pretty. And now they go to USC, who... A has an unbelievable offense. They'll be able to score a lot of points on this Washington defense. And they have a great running game. Uh, Their uh, running back, Lloyd, is like fantastic. However, however, Alex Grinch is involved. Cal just dropped a 50-burger on him. This game's going to come down to red zone execution and not missing field goals. And teams that settle for 42-yard field goals and miss them are going to lose this game. Um, Ryan, go ahead. You, you start this one off. I'll finish. It's It all comes down to Grinch. They're just, they're, they cannot get a stop. USC's not going to get stops. But they're going to score some points. Washington's defense isn't going to, you know, they're not going to hold them under, probably under, 28 at the at the least so the over is a huge play for me i love washington in this spot like you said they've kind of been dicking around kind of playing possum the last two weeks this is the week they've been waiting for this is a game they've been you know ready to go for so for me i love washington in this spot and i love the over love the over love washington's team total over as well they're gonna drop. They're gonna get a fifth. They're gonna get fifty burger in this game. They're definitely scoring fifty. So get the team total too. Tom, any thoughts on uh, this game? Yeah, my big question is just what you said: Is Washington playing it safe and taking it easy, or you know being coy, or is something actually wrong and they just haven't been good? And I have no idea from watching them which of the two it is. I think we'll know by the end of the first quarter. Unfortunately, for betting purposes, that's too late. So I'm just going to go with the assumption that they'll be playing at full strength. We're recording on Monday, so anything can happen throughout the week. So take that with a grain of salt. But I'm going to go with the better team, which is Washington. And I'm going to go with an over with two teams that can score a ton and Alex Grinch on defense. I love the over and I'm going to take the team that I think is better, which is Washington. But I think it's going to be a shootout and I think it's going to be pretty close. So I think it's coming down to a one possession game at the end. I think this game's going way over. I think uh, this game's in the nineties or hundreds. I think this is like uh Baylor, Texas tech era of college football. Both teams won't be able to stop each other. Um, Washington, if they had McMillan, I would love them. He, he opens up so much um, on that offense and they're really not the same without him. And I hope, He'll be able to go. I was just reading some stuff earlier today. He tried to go out last week and play with uh, just like as normal, and it didn't work. Um, he has 
good strength in his knee, but making some of the cuts is what's causing him pain. So he's going to try a knee brace this week. That's fine. If he can get out there, if he plays and catches 50 yards worth of passes, Washington wins this game. If he doesn't, it's a coin flip. Regardless, I just like this Washington mojo. I'm not going down. I'm not giving up on them. Give me the over and give me Washington, and we'll figure it out. Even if he's out there on the field, he changes the game and changes the yeah. defense. He he had 1,100 yards receiving last year. That's a humongous part of the offense. It's not like he's the number two receiver. He's 1A and 1B with, with Rome. They're equals. And when you put those two guys out there with Polk, who's a freak, yeah. as the three, you, you can't, can't stop you can't that double. offense. I mean, you can't double no. anyone because the other guy will it's, kill you. When he's out, you can so double important. Rome. You can you know, have a safety kind of help out on the other guys. And, and it's manageable. They're still going to get points, but it does change the complexion. So I hope he's able to go, even if he's so not a hundred percent, even if he doesn't catch a single pass, if he's out there for 15, 20 snaps, I think it makes a difference. Give me a great game. Really excited for it. Yeah. I okay, mean, also- I mean, we've been talking about this one for about six weeks. Like this is the yep, game again. Months. Well, that too. I mean, every yeah. week, basically since, what was it? Penn State, Ohio State, for sure. I would say since Washington, Oregon, there's been a critical game every week that's going to help determine the playoff picture. And this is your one for this week. That's right. Okay, going on at the same time, LSU at Alabama. What an awesome Saturday night, by the way, with those two games on. This is another time. one, by the way. Fantastic. Um Bama at home, minus three, total 60. LSU has two losses, but in it, it, but at certain times this year, they've they've looked like arguably a top three or four team in the country. Other times, they look like an unranked team, and their defense has not shown up in a lot of spots, even though they have multiple players who are going really high in the draft. Like, they have players who might go top seven over the next couple of years. Um and Alabama's Alabama. Alabama lost earlier in the year to Texas. Since then, they've done their Alabama thing. They've gotten better. They've gotten more physical. The running game's been good. Milrow's gotten better. Milrow uses his feet and play action pass, and he hits one or two bombs a game. And it's been effective. Uh, this is a really unique game. Um, I think it's impo- – again, we're going to go back to old school take the points here. This is rule number one here. You bet Alabama here and lay the three, or you don't bet the game at all. You cannot take LSU plus only three points at Alabama. There's way too much history there. Um, I like Bama. Lay the three. And for the total 60, I think it's right on. Uh, you can make an argument for the over or the under. Not 100% sure. Interested to hear your guys' opinion on this one. Ryan, you start us off. It's funny that you want to hear my opinion because I actually have not. I, I, I have no feel for this game whatsoever game. I think rule number one is what you fall back on and where you're going to go ahead and take Alabama I'm going to go ahead and stay away because I cannot bet LSU I cannot bet Brian Kelly in this spot but I also do not believe in Alabama at this point I still don't I know that they're better I know they're figuring some things out but I still I just don't believe in them Maybe this is my lane train bias coming into play here, but I kind of want an LSU win here. So we do get that possibility of Ole Miss getting in the, in the uh, SEC title game. So 
I'm going to stay away and I'm just going to watch this game and kind of figure out who these teams really are. Yeah, sometimes the games that are the best to watch and the most meaningful are the least fun to predict on this show. I agree with both of you, Dan. Your analysis was spot on. Rule number one when it comes to betting, bet on Alabama or don't bet. I'm going to agree with Ryan. I'm going to stay away. My heart is with LSU. I'd like them to win just for entertainment and chaos purposes and the chance that Lane might get into that championship game. I think Alabama probably is the better team, but LSU because of Brian Kelly can be amazing or they can look like dog shit depending on the day. They could certainly win this game outright. They could also lose by two touchdowns. So it's going to be which Brian Kelly and which team shows up. And then I also think the thing that will really determine the game in the end will be the quarterback play specifically big plays, third down conversions, you know, runs using their legs to make plays happen when things break down and like who can who can be the best in those broken plays and third downs in those tough situations. And so I think that could go either way. I think both quarterbacks are going to run the ball double digit times easily. I think yeah, so. I mean, I think if you can find sure. some kind of prop for QB running yards for either team or a combination of QB run yards, I think that's a pretty good bet. I think you get 150 yards combined out of these QBs in this game. That's that's actually a super fun same game parlay. Take the over rushing yards for both quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and I, parlay them together for this game. I mean, I'd have to see the numbers, but I think I think combined they're gonna get pretty high. That's an interesting one. If like, you don't really like have if you can a, get a hundred side. The only problem is it might be Daniels getting 78 yards and uh, Milrow getting like 27. You know what I mean? Or it might be the opposite, but I think as a combination, they're going to be over a hundred. Okay. So I'll see when the number, see what the numbers look like later this week, but that's what I'm going to be looking at. I like that. Okay. Last game I want to talk about UCLA at Arizona. UCLA minus two and a half, total 52. Only minus two and a half at Arizona. What is going on here? I'm going to give myself some credit here. I think I started the Arizona renaissance. I went down to go see Washington, Arizona, and they didn't play their starter, Jaden Delora. They played this Noah Fafita kid who's really good, and the rest of the team is really good, and they're playing great defense. And they beat the shit out of Oregon State on Saturday night. They hit them in the mouth and shut them down. If Oregon State's not moving the ball, UCLA is not moving the ball with Dante Moore or Chase, whatever, Ebers, Gebers, the Mac transfer, whatever, with nothing. This total's 52. Under. Lock of the week. My favorite play of the entire week is under 52 in this game. Both defenses are extremely good. These are the best two defenses in the Pac-12. And both quarterbacks are young and a little inexperienced. Uh, 26 points each is too much. Under 52. Don't look now, but Arizona and Arizona State both won last week. Arizona's 5-3. They win this game, they get to 6-3. They're like uh, the UConn of 2023, the most overachieving team. Arizona also uh, seven and one against the spread this year, best in the country. Impressive. 
Uh, anything to add on that game, gentlemen? Fafita. I mean, that's that's he's the, good. The, no one's talking about him, but I mean, he hasn't started every game. He's only he been playing a few. three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. That's it. How many passing yards do you think he has this year? Uh, no idea. In three weeks, Tom, what do you think? In three weeks as a starter. Four weeks as a starter. I'm not the West Coast expert, so this is a total guess, but I'm going to say 720 yards. 1,221 yards passing in already with 11 touchdowns and only three picks. Freshman under six foot, Huntington Beach, California. This has just got that surfer swag, man. He's just, he's got it. Again, Huntington Beach going against UCLA. That makes a difference too. These California kids that were not recruited by the California schools, they got a little chip on their shoulder. I like Arizona and I love Arizona in this spot. This is mm-hmm. UCLA all of a sudden in the top 25 ranked, finally getting the respect we deserve. We're finally ranked. And then this is exactly the spot that they let down and get beat. A hundred percent. This is a spot. Excellent point, Ryan. A couple things to add. One, it's uh, a, a, it, it, it's a big event in Arizona. Uh, Rob Gronkowski will be in attendance. They've they've announced for the big game. Big alum. And let, let me just go over this real quick. Arizona's last four games. They played number seven Washington, number nine USC, number nineteen Washington State, and number eleven Oregon State in a row. Lose to Washington by seven points. Take USC and the Coliseum to triple overtime. Beat Washington State by 38 points in Pullman. And then whip Oregon State's ass last week. That's an incredible month of college football. Bravo to U of A. And now you get UCLA at home. You're right, Ryan. Screw the under. Arizona money line. They're going to win this game for sure. You're 100% right. I'm not a West Coast expert, so I'll leave it to you guys. I agree with you 100% from the limited from limited amount I've seen of Arizona. Great coaching and tough team and kind of ironic that Arizona State made the big splashes with Herm Edwards and then with Dillingham, and Arizona just kind of quietly hired Jed Fish, no fanfare whatsoever, and he's turned out to be maybe you know the best coach in the state in a while. Good point, Tom. No, it's been really, really interesting. Nice job by them. Um, Okay. That concludes what games I want to talk about. Uh, Tom, do you have any others you want to bring up? Ryan, you can go first. I got to pull up my notes. Oh, Tom's got some notes. Well, good, because I got some things to say. Here's the game of the week, the play of the week for me. And I think this is a pretty easy play, and I love it. Did someone lose to UMass last week? Oh, yeah. Army. Army lost to UMass last week. Now they're playing the best program in the state of Colorado, the Air Force Falcons. Air Force minus 18 and a half is the easiest, easiest play at home playing an Army team that just lost to UMass and now has to travel to snowy Colorado, have fun. Love Air Force beating the balls off of Army. Service academies, when they get a chance to do something like this, they will do it. 
this is going to get nutty. 38-10. Let's go. Tom? Sure. So I'll do my normal sort of uh, Big Ten speed round because we didn't talk a lot about the Big Ten. But first, Dan, you need to weigh on weigh in on UConn goes to Tennessee, somehow playing Tennessee, ranked 19th, 35-and-a-half-point line for the Volunteers, 53 total. What do you think, Dan? That's a big number. Can UConn keep it tight? No, this feels like homecoming. Usually they schedule a super easy game to bring all the alumni in for a blowout. This feels like whatever the first half line is on Tennessee, lay it. They'll be up 35 nothing at half. Some garbage in the second half. Lay it with Tennessee. UConn's bad. This feels like 63-10 to 10 to me. So maybe a Tennessee over double parlay, whatever. All right, uh, moving on to the Big Ten. I want to point this out. Nebraska goes to Michigan State. Nebraska's minus three, but the line doesn't matter. Somehow these are the two worst teams in the Big Ten right now. I just want to imagine yourself time traveling back to 1995. You're talking to touchdown Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips and all them. Even on Michigan State, you know, you're talking to, who is it, Tony Banks and Derek Mason, uh, Moosin Muhammad. Nick Saban, I believe, was the coach first year in 1995. And you're telling them, hey, guys, these two storied programs, a team, Michigan State, that was arguably one of the best teams, if not like the best team for a stretch there in the 60s, 50s. Nebraska, who was dominant in the 90s, dominant in the 70s. You're now the worst two teams in the Big Ten, worse than Indiana, way worse than Rutgers. Worse than Maryland, Illinois, Minnesota. Can you imagine? It's not good. That's rhetorical. You don't have to answer. But just a pathetic drop-off. And by the way, overshadowed by the 29-point total, but this is a 34-point total, and it's going under. Except, Tom, you forgot to mention that when Nebraska wins this game, they're going to be bowl eligible, something Scott Frost never did. Moving on. Yeah, I would take Scott Frost. By the way, I heard my first Scott Frost Iowa OC rumor today, so keep that in mind. I also heard I also heard they're going to be targeting the Washington offensive coordinator, which is hilarious. The fact that he, the idea that he would go. All right, Ohio State minus nineteen against Rutgers. Rutgers has had a good run, but Ohio State's in their dickhead mode lead up to Michigan. So I think they're going to win this one by. Um, 24 to 28 points, unfortunately. Penn State, 10 and a half over Maryland. This seems like a tempting pick. It's at Maryland, but Maryland's been playing really bad the last month and really taking a nosedive. And I think Penn State's got enough uh, physicality and run game to beat up on Maryland. And then my favorite bet of the week, Michigan minus 32, I think, against Purdue. Sounds like a lot. They are going to destroy them. You know, set your feelings about Michigan and Connor Stallions aside. They've been playing the most consistent football of anyone besides maybe Georgia. This is a 49 to three game all the way. So I love this pick. Michigan just shutting down Purdue. If JJ McCarthy wins the Heisman, I'm boycotting the award for 10 years. I'm doing a 10 year hiatus while I will not talk about the award. That'd be the biggest joke ever. I, I don't see, I just don't see how that happens unless they have a weird game plan against Ohio state where he 
scores four touchdowns and has a real big Heisman moment, but their whole team centers around the run game. And so to give a quarterback who really is kind of like a, I don't want to say quite game manager, that's an insult, but you know, he's replaceable for sure. I mean, if they had Drake may, they'd be much better than they are. And any replacement level quarterback would still be dominating at Michigan. So he cannot win it. That'd be the worst thing ever. I just don't think, I just don't think it makes sense. My personal feelings for Michigan and McCarthy aside, like it just doesn't make sense to give a quarterback who's not the focal point of his own offense. I mean, to me, if you're going to give it to a big 10 guy again, against my better judgment, it's the silencer. He's a game changer. And by the way, we were off last week. We got to talk about Maserati Marv. This needs to end immediately. We have a nickname. His nickname is the silencer because of course he silences crowds. And for no other reason, he is called the silencer. That's his name. I can't stand that Maserati Marv thing. It's just he so tried cringe. so hard, so hard to make it happen. Uh, listen, if he didn't have a nickname, he is fast. He is, you know, fancy and high priced like a Maserati. I guess it would make sense, but we've already got the perfect nickname for Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than the silencer. You'll you'll never beat that. It's one of the best nicknames ever. Because again, he silences crowds and no other reason. Anything you want to add, Dan or Ryan, to end the show on? No. Have you uh, learned about any more Spotify uh, Papa Roach records that were broken in the last week or any other updates? No, the the Corn $300 tracksuit is my new metal update of the week. That's all I got (laughs) for this. Thank you, Tom. No problem. I try to keep the folks updated on new metal and genre that hasn't been popular since 2002. It's very important. It's still popular, Tom. That's the thing. The thing is, there's so many people who just love metal. It just, and that's what they consider metal. Not like Iron Maiden. It's it's like, oh, I love Chevelle. Like, oh man, that's, your life is in shambles. You clearly have made some bad decisions. Yeah. Ryan, any closing thoughts? I used to work with a guy and his favorite band was five finger death punch. (laughs) Their singer's name is Zoltan, (laughs) which is the most metal thing of all new metal bands. I I got nothing to add to that. (laughs) You guys hate new metal more than anyone. If you had to see a new metal show and you had to watch the whole thing, what would be the one band you, you chose? Ryan. Hmm. I saw them all at Woodstock 99 in their primes. That is so funny to me because I think of the three of us, you hate new metal the most, yet you were the one of us who actually pulled the trigger and went to Woodstock 99. That is correct. It was uh, something else. (laughs) Was that the end for you? You're like only jam bands from now on. It wasn't only jam bands, and I've never been an only jam bands guy, but uh, it definitely pushed me. I'll say this. It pushed me out of the era and into other eras. That's what I'll say. It got me out of the modern music of all genres, and uh, I went pretty deep into the into the past in those days. 
I think you're not the only one with that experience because I do think the whole garage rock thing, even though it's some of the best music of our lifetime, I think having new metal and Woodstock 99 kind of helped usher in the strokes and all that stuff. Sometimes to have the best music, you have to start off with the worst music, like hair metal led to Nirvana. I think new metal led to um, the strokes. What we need is a new version of shitty metal to bring about something else really good. Cause we're in a lull right now. All we got is Taylor Swift and a bunch of bands I never heard of. I think music right now is at an all time low, but I am old and have kids. So I don't, I'm not the best person to judge this. That is correct, Tom. You are old and have kids. And uh, <laughs> you guys are also old, but at least you have free time to experience different music for me. I mean, we joke every year at the end of the year about my Spotify most played. It's like, Moana soundtrack. By the way, my daughter has a playlist on my Spotify. That's just nineties uh, and two thousands pop like backstreet boys, Britney Spears and stuff, which has also become the like CVS music of America when you walk mm-hmm. into a Walmart or whatever. So it's just like, she loves going everywhere now. Cause they all, they just play her favorite music. My, my nephew who is like, Oh shit. I'm so bad with this. He's like 10 or so. He told me his uh, new favorite band is green day. Yeah. We talked about this in a previous episode, but this is getting way off topic, but it's like the breakdown of time mattering because now that you can find anything on the internet, what's going on, Dan. I'm back. Two weeks in a row, I've knocked over my webcam. Tom, have you seen the new tour for 2024 green day? Rancid and Smashing Pumpkins. Green Day Rancid, Smashing Pumpkins. I Sign did, me up. I'm I did gone. hear about that. That's not bad. I'll take that. Smashing Pumpkins. Fuck yeah. Smashing Pumpkins need to be moderated by having other bands with them. When they play on a headlining tour, I saw them. They did two and a half hours. Corgan was playing like a big timpani drum set. They need the constraints of having like a one hour set. Yes. So Green Day headlining them in the middle and then Rancid playing like Ruby Soho and a couple other songs, five song set. That actually sounds perfect to me. I know. That's what I'm saying. Rancid's going to come out, play for 35 minutes. You're going to hear Time Bomb and Ruby (laughs) Soho. And then like a cover of like, I want to be sedated. I'm guessing is probably going to be in there somewhere. And then they're going to get off and you're going to hear like, Share a Brock, Tonight Tonight, Bolt with Butterfly Wings, Zero, some weird stuff that was only released on the internet in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then like... A Zwan uh, cover. And and then like 1979, which is fine. And then they can get the fuck off the stage. And then bring Green Day in, and they're just going to play a greatest hit show. Yeah, like, Green Day. I've seen gonna, Green Day live. I mean, they... They don't mess around. They, they sound exactly like the album. They play only hits. They are not, they're the opposite of the pumpkins. And yeah, also I, keep in mind that will be the 30th anniversary tour for Dookie, right? That was a 94 album. So the 2024 yeah, yes. tour, that will Great. be Dookie 30th. We're going Ryan. I'm getting sweet tickets for that. We're going to have like a whole event of this. It's going to be really fun. Like, I'm going to love it. I might start drinking for the first time you in should. 10 years. <laughs> When I come around to me, I'll be like, let's fucking go. It's going to be so good. We're getting there early for Rancid. No one's going to be there. No uh, one will be there. Oh, I'm so fired up for Rancid. I was a huge, huge, uh, and out came the wolves 
yeah. fan yeah. back in high school. I mean, I'm joking about Ruby Soho and and two other songs, but I actually like many rancid songs. I would go see I them know. for sure. I would be there from opening second of that show. I recently watched a rancid documentary on YouTube, like a 30 minute like video about rancid. So yeah, fired up. Did they get into Operation Ivy? Correct. Yeah, see, that's mm-hmm. what you know. Only the uh, diehard fans know, but yeah, the Operation Ivy, like they kind of started a movement there. They started ska, basically. I don't know if they want credit for that, but, you know, again, with the Pearl Jam, Nickelback kind of reference, like you can start a genre and be great. It doesn't necessarily mean the genre is great. In the um, Mark Lanigan autobiography, he talks about uh, Queens of Stone Age founder, lead singer Josh Homme uh, being on tour with Rancid, who was a straight edge and he hated him. And so he stole the lead singer's girlfriend and she liked him more because they like to do like drugs and drink. And he's like, yeah, see, we're way more fun than rancid. <laughs> so is that what Ruby Soho is about? Maybe, maybe about, I think Ruby. That's, it might I, be about, about Josh's hair. I think that's basically Very the possible. the story of Ruby Soho that they're having a party. I'm in my room all alone and they're having a party next door. Yeah. Le- it, the it, lamentations it of a straight edge. So it's pretty funny, but yeah, um, I've never seen any of those three bands live and get to check them all off on one night. And why not? Yeah. I've seen two of the three smashing pumpkins was one of the worst shows I've ever seen, but I heard they're good now and they're, they're no. tamed down and green day was great. I mean, they're exactly what you expect. Rancid. I have yet to see. All right. I'm excited. Very exciting. Dan, you want to say a eulogy for Matthew Perry of friends? being the number one friends fan of all time. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. Uh, you made a lot of people happy over the years. I've never seen a friends episode start to finish, but I'm sure it was great. And, uh, good luck in the afterlife. I met Matthew Perry in like 2006. He came for some reason. Well, we know the reason he was at the, like the black bear in Norwalk, Connecticut. I don't know what he was doing there filming a movie or something. But my brother was living with me at the time and uh, I went out to meet some friends and my brother opted to stay in. He didn't feel like going out. I got back and he was like, oh, how was the night? I go, it was good. I met Matthew Perry. And then he had a line I'll never forget. My brother just goes, could I be any more disappointed? (laughs) So that's what I think of when I think of Matthew Perry. Great. Ryan, anything else? Uh, I also have never seen an episode of friends, um, beginning to end like a full episode in my, in my life. So, yeah, this is some kind of record. Cause I've, I've probably seen, you know, five or six episodes of friends. I've seen a few. I, I know I watched the finale of friends because I heard that, uh, they played yellow lead better. So I watched that with my roommates. I probably saw two or three episodes in the first couple seasons, you will not meet three people our age who have watched a combined five episodes of friends. So I think this is some kind of record. That's all I nice. will, I will say though, he did make a cameo on one episode of scrubs and it was actually pretty good. I'll give him that. I, for my money, he would be the most talented friend, him and Lisa Kudrow. All right. 
This is why we don't give eulogies. We're just, we're just really stunning eulogizers. All right, we'll stick to football next week. Enjoy the games. Best week of the season to date. The most amazing game coming up. The shittiest game of the season coming up. The beautiful spectrum of college football really in full force this week. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Take care. All right.